So, welcome to the third episode of our Contravariance podcast, everyone. Welcome. Um, so, today we have some new interesting things to talk about. And uh, let's just start like right off where, where we want to talk about. And, uh, and one of those things is, is pro hardware. And then specifically, the hardware Apple calls pro. Yeah, because interestingly, um, there's no iPhone Pro, obviously. There's an iPad Pro, there's a MacBook Pro, an iMac Pro, a Mac Pro, and so on. So they have a lot of Pro devices, but not, not every device in Apple's lineup does ever become a Pro device. And so the question, it, it begs the question, what is it that for Apple that makes, suddenly makes a product Pro and also that actually makes a product be able to become pro what do you think Buzz? i mean first of all i think the whole pro naming is already quite fake and quite hard to understand if we look at the macbook pros um, i think many or at least some customers also tend to uh, be interested in macbook pros but when comparing that for example with a mac pro that is something like most developers don't even have and I'm not trying to say that the developer is a pro, um, but I think in some areas you see that a developer can definitely like uh, use a pro device, thinking about compiling, thinking about um, exporting an app, uh, that kind of things. Um, but there you already see, or at least I see a difference between pro, at least what I would expect from them. Like it feels like it's two different kind of pros. Like we have seven different kinds of space grays. Um, or maybe it's eight now, who knows. And looking at the iPad Pro, for example, I feel like that's kind of a customer device, even though it's a pro device. And where before we saw the iPad Pros supporting the Apple Pencil, that's now also supported by the normal iPad. So I also don't really see the like the big difference between a pro and a non-pro other than the connector where you can add a keyboard and then i would again say like hey is a keyboard a pro thing i wouldn't think so so i don't know where where apple tries to have this boundary or where it wants to have this boundary but i feel like it's it's just a name at this point it's better than an ipad 7 or an ipad 22 so if you if you say that the iPad Pro is more of a consumer device than a pro device, what is for you the difference between the task that a person does on a device that makes it a pro device and that makes it a consumer device? At what point are they suddenly professionals? Like I said, I think in, in terms of iPad, I think the keyboard is really interesting also for customers because at that point it becomes a more portable um Computer? No, not in terms of um, the product. In terms of the people. Like, what may what what's the difference between somebody who is a pro user and somebody who is a con consumer user? Well, I think I think that depends on what pro device um, they they are interested in. It's not like you you aren't a pro user and then buy pro stuff. You buy the pro device because you feel for that device that you can use the the uh, the pro device, right? So, so you mean you have requirements beyond what the non-pro device offers? Exactly. And so that means if you, let's say, if you are a really hardcore word user, 
and you know like the whole application in and out and you can do all crazy stuff with word but then really what you only the only thing you need is a good keyboard and i mean obviously that's a totally separate discussion with the with the macbooks um but then you are not a pro user because you don't need the the, the additional ports and you don't need the touch bar and so on yes but um looking at the new lineup of macbooks the what do we have we have the macbook pro um, with the retina displays which i think for customers are are amazing like anybody should if if they have the chance like they, they are amazing displays and they make a big difference uh, compared to a normal display um, then we have the macbook air which doesn't have a have an uh, a retina display you have the macbook which is the really like i think that's like customer but really low end um, my brother actually had the MacBook, and at some point he was doing mostly Excel and Word and, and Safari, and at some point he also had some bottlenecks even. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's maybe like too low of a spectrum for not to be like for like for use for for most customers. Um, but I think the Pro, although expensive, still like offers a really interesting uh, experience for the price compared to the really lower end MacBook with fewer ports and and all of that. So so here's my theory for that. I, I mean, obviously, Apple advertises that this is a pro device because you're a pro user, right? And it makes people feel good. But my theory is that this is really totally not about the users. It's mostly about Apple having something where they can use the components, the, the more expensive components that they really want to use for a device. Let's say they want to build a new device. Let's say it's a new MacBook or a new laptop. Um, they then they have these ideas of what they want to do, but Apple has a certain profit margin that they always need to keep, and that's around thirty-seven percent because otherwise Wall Street will not like it. And so they they have this profit margin that they try to keep, and so they have these new new elements, maybe, let's say a touch bar or anything, and they really want to use it, but they are more expensive, so they make a re they they end up with a really expensive device. And it's maybe so expensive that it's hard to sell to the consumer user that just wants a five hundred euro machine. So that's why they label it Pro. Basically, what this means is it has Pro elements. It has it's a Pro hardware on the hardware level for Apple. But it's not really about who uses it in the end, except that maybe they have to pay more money. But whether you use Word as a Pro user or you're a Pro Safari user, which can also be maybe you have like two hundred tabs open, for example. I'm one of those people. And, um, then, so I feel that, that this is, it's more about the hardware. And actually my case in point there is the touch bar because the touch bar for me is the ultimate non-pro device. It's like if you're a pro user, let's say, let's say you're, you're a pro user in Photoshop or in After Effects, then you know every shortcut by hand because every second counts, right? You're a pro user, you do all the editing and stuff. You are not using the menu bar at the top, you know the shortcuts because that's what you do day in, day out. And you really don't need an additional display for you that shows you the, the shortcuts instead of, that's just cumbersome. But it's great for people that are non-pro users, like for normal people that don't use the computer all day, that don't even know that there's a concept of shortcuts. I know a guy, like when I met him, he didn't know there was a search and replace functionality. So he never looked into the menus, like people that just use the computer from time to time and they are amazed to find out that there's a thing like copy and paste, for example. And then there's this bar that adapts to their workflow and it shows them this is what you can do and they are amazed about it. So this is for me the ultimate non-pro device. But it's in a pro machine because it's, 
more expensive hardware and that's where Apple puts it. So my theory, this is really about the elements they put into the hardware. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that sounds, sounds, sounds reasonable. I actually, like coming back to, to the touch bar, I really don't mind it actually. Like I almost want to not like it, but it's fine. Like I, you don't need the F keys. The most of the shortcuts don't use the F keys, probably also because of the touch bar being there. And at that point, I mean, it's not that bad. The the worst thing I think is just uh, where where the software it's software and not hardware. So you see glitches, you see bugs, where the play button stays the play button even if you press the play button while the music actually starts and stops just fine. Um, but yeah, definitely, like that's something that is usable by customers, um, by non non pro customers. Where where a pro customer might not uh, specifically like that, I think the same thing with the keyboard. Like uh, many people, uh, and I think not normal, like non-pro users or non-gamers uh, use a um, very clicky keyboard, like the the blue switches. And I think that's where the pro also says, yeah, maybe I don't need this keyboard. I just need a good keyboard that works and I can feel and this might also not be the most pro thing in a pro machine. Mm. And that's where where your point comes in as well. Like they just try the new stuff, like the whole mechanism is different. Um we see the new uh trackpads that I think uh like started with started on the pro machines or the more expensive display that shows more colors. Yeah. So it's it's mostly about new and more expensive items that they put into their machines. So if we let's if you go from here, um, there was a rumor last week that um, there's supposed to be a new Mac Mini, which, as most of our listeners know, the Mac Mini hasn't been updated, I think, for five years now or something. So it's really it it might might as well not exist because the hardware you buy today is severely outdated. So apparently there's a new Mac Mini coming, and that Mac Mini is going to be a Pro Mac Mini. And so the question is. What would a Pro Mac Mini be like? What what kind of device could that be? If if we follow this theory that we just had, I think an interesting to start with is is the form factor. Um, I feel like that might not change to like that it will like uh, stay the same um, because Mac Minis are very often in like bought in large quantities and used in a data center and whatever and I think that's a really nice format um, to store somewhere it's just a square box no weird edges or whatever you can store them efficiently um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't change too much um, although it could also change to a tower which we've seen with the AirPod Express for example um, other than that Pro again could mean the newest processors the newest i don't know like it's just a computer in the end so i don't see any touch bar things or trackpad things or keyboard things because that's not in that machine so it would actually be really interesting like what would then make it a pro device definitely what do you think so i mean if they would just update the specs then i'm not sure why they would call it pro right they they could but it Updated specs is the minimum we we would expect right now, so that would so. I was thinking, what what is the the most not pro but 
some of the new stuff in, in terms of hardware right now. And something we, what we have that Apple just kind of half introduced is um, that you can use external graphics cards with your Mac by, by using USB-C. Or, and then basically you have this external ex enclosure. And what if the, the new Mac Mini, the Pro Mac Mini, is something stackable, where basically you have a Mac Mini, and then you can stack a graphics card on top, and maybe you can stack another hard disk that's really fast on top, and maybe you can you can stack maybe more, more RAM, or maybe you can even stack another Mac Mini on top, and then the CPU runs in parallel. I don't know if that's even possible. And maybe they, if it's only it's only possible with a certain bus that, that Apple develops, like instead of USB-C, they have their own bus system, and you can just stack them. So that would be it would make it pro it, it wouldn't be a mac pro because you, you can't just you know i think the expectation for the mac pro is that you can just insert cards and insert devices but in that way you can you can easily stack a couple of things on your desk and it, it allows you to grow with it and they are still using very new technologies that are more expensive because a graphics card that you can stack with the mac mini would not be as cheap as when you would buy the graphics card itself from NVIDIA, for example, would come with an Apple enclosure. Johnny Ive would have blessed it with his wisdom. And so it would be, I guess, double the price. But um, So it would be in line with the rest we had. It would be more expensive um, and it would still do the same. Yeah. That, at that point, I'm also wondering, like, what, how, are, how would Apple like position the then called Mac Mini Pro against the Mac Pro that's still coming up? Whoever knows whenever that's coming. Um, because I think Apple tried to tell uh, the few uh, journalists they, they invited over to Apple a year ago or so. Um, like, yeah, we made a mistake with the modularization of the Mac Pro. And what you're talking about with the Mac Mini sounds like modularization. So what then does the Mac Pro really bring? Because then it still might still be interesting but I think for many, they might then want to change to the Mac Mini Pro. And then why would Apple focus all their resources also on the Mac Pro? So I'm, I'm really wondering, like, where is really going to be that difference? And how is Apple going to sell or how is Apple going to explain that difference? Yeah, I'm also wondering about that. I mean, the, for the um, Mac Mini, I, I guess many people were surprised that it was supposed to be a Mac Mini Pro. And also this was just a rumor, right? So maybe that's totally not what's happening. And the idea is just to update the specs so that the, you can use that in data centers any, uh, again and people who don't want to have the iMac display can, can buy it to, to use their own display. Um, and then in the future, there will be a Mac Pro and that will be the modular thing. And they will use whatever cool technology they have. And I, I would guess... I would almost bet that the upcoming Mac Pro will not be something that you can just open and then put stuff inside, like like with a normal PC case, because that will never fly by Johnny Ive. That's, I think that's actually one of the really interesting things about the Mac Pro. Like at this point, um, after the 2013 Mac Pro, the trash can is like, what are they going to come up with? Because that was really bad and really cool at the same time and really interesting. And now it's like, okay, but we made a mistake, but we also can't do their normal thing. So what then is the third thing that Apple needs to come up with? That's I'm like really looking forward to when they announce that and, and just wondering like what will it look like? Well my pet guess is they are still coming up with it. <laughs> They, they did a press conference, and when they did the press conference like two years ago or one and a half years ago, they were like, okay, now we did the conference, now we have to come up with something. I mean, I think they said it won't be there in 2018, Yeah, I think is what they said, so who knows? Yeah. Who knows, who knows? But um, coming, coming back to, to pro uh, iPhones, 
um, because what we've been thinking is, hey, this Pro is connected to Pro hardware, Pro uh, new things. And if we look at the iPhone 10, we have the new display, we have the new form factor, we have an edge-to-edge display, we have Face ID. Why isn't it called iPad Pro, uh, iPhone Pro? And will it ever become an iPhone Pro? And what does it need to have for it to become an iPhone Pro? I remember when it was introduced, there was um, John Gruber was um, talking about or writing about why it was pronounced iPhone 10 and not iPhone X, I think. Like there was this distinction going on. And then he had this quote from Philip Schiller that basically said, we talked about a lot of names. And I think it also said iPhone Pro maybe in the names list. I'm not sure, but I think they were considering a lot of names. But fundamentally for me, the main difference seems to be that devices you cannot use for like kind of not used for working, never become pro devices. The, I, the iPod never became pro. And um, I, I, other devices from Apple, like, there are lots of devices that are mostly just for too, like, too, too consumer-oriented. They somehow never become pro devices. I don't think that it's right for the iPhone. I feel like the, the iPhone X especially can very well be a pro device because it, it, it fulfills all the necessary things. But maybe they are waiting for a point in the future where there will be an iPhone Pro. Maybe it, it, it's still too early. Maybe at some point in the future there will be something that is so far advanced that they themselves say, okay, at, at this point it, we, we can call, call it Pro and maybe it's just marketing. Maybe they like the X more. I mean, in the end, it's, it's definitely just marketing. Um, but, I mean, looking at the iPad, iPad came after iPhone. And that's already pro. And I actually think that Apple also said with the iPhone X, like, hey, this is a phone that we're kind of offering you that's like not really, really there yet, but we're offering you uh, mm -hmm. it to you now. Like, it won't be there in whatever capacity. And that obviously, like, doesn't seem to have been true. Um, we're offering it at a higher price point. And again, really funny thing. Everybody buys it, making, uh, like, new records. And I'm also really like scared about the prices of future iPhones because I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't drop below like the thousand euro mark. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like if there would have, like if there will be an iPhone pro, it could have been the iPhone 10, the iPhone 10 would have deserved the name. And the iPhone 10 already was this weird, like not nine, but 10. Are we ever going to see an iPhone nine? I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I had a theory there, and sadly, because yesterday we, there were leaks by Guy Rambo, really cool leaks about the name for the upcoming iPhones. So this sadly breaks my theory, but I will still <laughs> explain it to you. Um, that um, they said the iPhone 10 was basically the iPhone from the future, right? So we were at iPhone 8. And so after the iPhone 8 would have been the iPhone 9. And obviously after that would have been the iPhone 10. So the iPhone 10 was the device from the future that they brought to the present two generations in advance. And so the year after that, in my theory, would have been the iPhone 9 and the iPhone 11 as the two devices. And then the year after that, there would have been no iPhone 9 because the iPhone 10 was already released two years ago. And then there would just have been the iPhone 12. So basically, Apple pulled the device from the future into the present. And the next year, they would have pulled another device from the future and the present. And then finally, the present would have reached the future that was pulled into the present two iterations ago. That was my theory for how it works. But now we have the iPhone. Apparently, there's an iPhone XS. So yeah, <laughs> so much for having a smart theory about that. 
Yeah, I always like the whole like jumping into the future always sounded silly to me because you get used to something so quickly. If it's there, it's not the future anymore. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Um, once we've gone to, to Mars, it's there. Yeah. It's not there in years. No, it's there. Yeah. That's, that's... And that's a big leap, obviously. But I feel like with the iPhone 10, like the iPhone 10 is totally normal at this point. Yeah. And we don't absolutely. expect Apple to come back with an iPhone 9. Yeah. There's this joke about this guy sitting on an airplane where the Wi-Fi doesn't work and bitching about why does this nothing really works and forgetting that basically he's flying at, I don't know, 1,000 kilometers per hour over, over some country and he has Wi-Fi and he can serve the internet, which is like even five years ago would have been incredible. But you get used to it so fast that when it just once doesn't work, you forget what a technical miracle this actually is. So it's it's like that we we we, we adapt really fast to the yeah, same thing with the, the miracles they give us. Same thing with the mobile networks. Um, when we went from from three G to to LTE, uh, it was in another. I was still living in the Netherlands at that point, and it was actually like not expected to roll out that fast. And it was just at some point it was there, and it was amazing because it was so much better, and you get used to it. And once you go back to to three G, it's like oh this is so slow. And I think that's partially because the the whole bandwidth and whatever they need to like enable you to uh, use 4G was then used for for 4G and LTE and then screwed down for 3G. So 3G actually became slower than it was, but still, like you get used to something and then you can't do without it anymore. And I think that's why why trials often work. You get like you get used to the tool and you start using it and you start relying on it and then hey, there we are. Which brings us back to a topic we had earlier, the touch bar. Um, if you would take it away, I wouldn't mind. So I did not get used to it. I'm SU, I'm fine. So I don't miss the, the F, F keys. Um, I'm a heavy Vim user, but I, I mapped, um, thankfully they, they allowed us to map caps lock to escape and it's the much better key for it anyway. The original keyboard when Vim was invented actually had um, escape in the position where we have caps lock now. So actually it's how it's supposed to be. So I'm fine with that. I'm much more, much happier. Um, so I don't have a problem with escape, uh, but the, the other keys, um, I also don't have a problem, at, but I don't get anything from my, I don't get much from the touch bar. It doesn't take anything away from me. I don't get much from it. No. So if I would have F keys again, I would be fine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if, uh, if that would, I, and I feel that, I guess, um, for somebody who, who is much less pro, they will probably like it. But so does, does that mean that the touch bar is really um, something that, that's, not, that's not been the right decision for Apple? If, if now, after using it for, I don't know, I've been using it for two years, um, and I still don't feel like it's something that I want to keep? Huh. I feel the same as you. Like, I wouldn't mind if we go back to the F keys. I don't expect that. Like same thing with the keyboard. I don't expect Apple to to come back on on such a decision. Uh, same thing with the uh, Lightning connector back in the day. Same thing with the uh, headphone jack. Um, but I wouldn't mind, and that's weird. And I had the same experience with the Apple Watch that I had for uh, about two years, I think, or a bit longer. But I wore it every single day for about a year. And I've been having some issues, so I've been tra I have been traveling to the Apple Store for for a few times. Um, luckily, always were, was able to like take it with me the same day. Um, 
And then at some point, it was just, it had to get serviced. And I lost it for a week. And the only thing, I wore a different watch. And the only thing that I sometimes uh, did was to try and drag down uh, on just a normal uh, watch to see the notifications. But that was it. I didn't really miss it. It was really weird because I've been wearing it every single day for a year. That's really interesting. I totally miss it. Like when I, just for a day, forget to put it on, which hardly happens but it happened a couple of weeks ago once i i'm really so the the watch is something i use every day and i would miss it instantly but but that i also agree with because i wear a non-apple watch now so i wear a normal watch Mm -hmm. and i would also totally miss it if i don't have it so it's still like not having a watch versus having a different watch which is which is different to me okay yeah i think I'm a huge fan of all the activity stuff and so on and the notifications you get. So a, a, a normal watch would cut it less for me. I think it would still serve the basic needs, but I, I love all the stuff that the Apple Watch does. So, so but that's... We can, we can tie this into the next short topic that, uh, that we wanted to discuss, which is uh, that Apple is uh, giving in, uh, like has an event on September 12th where they will, like, will be announcing the new iPhones, um, are also expected to announce a new Apple Watch and maybe Mac uh, hardware, but that might also get pushed to, to later this year. Let's see. Um, but I'm actually thinking about buying an Apple Watch again because the whole activity thing is what I use the most as well, um, which is also what I was, was really motivated for. That's what I why I was using it every day. I was filling my rings every day. I think at some point I had like thirteen or 1,400 calories a day. It was crazy that point i also wondered myself like why am i really doing this uh sitting on a sp- spinning bike hours at a day um but i'm i'm thinking about it again like i would be interested in using using the activity uh things and i think what also really helped and what is really interesting to me is like if we have the um cellular network connectivity on the watch and are actually able to use it like not only in germany but also in the netherlands and and wherever you can leave your phone at home. And that sounds like amazing to me. I love my iPhone, but I also love not having this distraction. And I would love to try that out. And for that, I would need an Apple Watch with a cellular. Um, and let's see see what next, uh, like two weeks and two weeks will bring. We've seen some uh, some images and uh, cool. looks interesting, but I still feel like, yeah, I will, I will wait and see. But I might be interested in, in an Apple Watch. What about you? Are you planning to buy a new iPhone or a new? Well, I'm I'm kind of really well set up. I have the iPhone X and I bought a new Apple Watch last year. So I do have the cellular version. Um, it really depends. I think if, if the new Apple Watch is a major upgrade, then I might just sell this one and update it to the newest version. But I don't think I'll do it for the iPhone. I'm... I I feel like I mean I don't know what the new iPhone will bring right we've seen screenshots uh, no we've seen images of the de- supposed devices but that doesn't tell us much about the hardware that's in there so for the watch what would be interesting for me if is if it has more sensors what kind of sensors does it have um, and are those sensors that um, I would find useful because other than that I'm really happy I do have the cellular version I don't have a contract so I've never tried it because it's additional 5 euro a month and I haven't had the feeling that I need it yet um, but and I'm really happy with the, the battery so it holds around 3 days for me which is also more than fine that's crazy yeah so it, it works really well I'm, I'm very happy um, but if let's say if there's anything where I would say man I really need it um, then I might up my just update, but I, we have to see. 
interesting uh, about the iPhone because I've, I I also am wondering like what would really be uh, something to upgrade for. I probably won't upgrade. Um, but I remember last year I was saying like, yeah, I will wait another year. I will not buy the iPhone 10. Um, and then looking at the simulator for hours at a time, I was like, yeah, this really looks nice. I should just, uh, should just treat myself and I got it. But the reason I wanted to wait um, was the, uh, the 120 gigahertz display that they now also have on the, on the iPad Pro. And I wouldn't be most like I wouldn't be surprised if that was was included this year around and I think that would be interesting as a new thing I don't think many people would upgrade just for that but let's see well I at home uh, my girlfriend has the 9.7 inch iPad Pro and I have the 10.5 inch iPad Pro and I, I do like the new display the but but it's not like it's for me it's not so easy to tell so it's not something I would update for I have to admit um, I, I like it more and it does feel better, but it's, I, I don't, it's not like something I see immediately, like with a couple of other things there. So that's the difference. There was also one more rumor that Apple might be dropping 3D Touch. And I don't think they will. And I, I would really have to get used to it, although I don't, like, I feel like I'm a rather heavy user of, of 3D Touch, especially with, with some... Uh, specific apps like opening a specific section of the app but do you see that happening i hope not because in contrast to the touch bar i'm actually also a user of um 3d touch and i really like it so i would miss 3d touch i wouldn't miss the touch bar i would miss 3d touch um and mostly for one thing um it's that when you when you do 3d touch on the keyboard you get a cursor like then the the keyboard works like a trackpad and the, i use this feature so much and i know that in ios 12 they now have a different way to achieve that but i haven't tried ios 12 yet so maybe it's possible to do this in ios 12 without 3d touch very well so then maybe i will change my habit um, but there are probably other places where I would also miss 3D Touch that I can't just can't uh, think about right now. That's a really good one um, because that's oh that's so amazing if you oh if you've never used that it's amazing. But I remember that initially that was actually a two finger mm. uh, touch, and it was also on the non 3D touch uh, phones, and they ripped it out, and people weren't happy because now they were like, yeah, Apple is saying like, hey, if you add a 3D touch thing, then you shouldn't hide functionality from users without a 3D touch device and that's exactly what Apple did. Um, but I haven't heard about the iOS 12 thing. What what does iOS 12 do then? I don't remember. Okay. I just read about it and we can research it and maybe put it into the release notes yeah, um, if I somebody's interested. I could imagine that they then bring back the, the two finger. Could be. I'm, I read that it's actually easier than you, and more more useful than doing it with 3D touch. So. I don't remember. We, we will look it up and put it into the yep. uh, notes. And um, I think we already reached the end of the episode. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we had more topics to talk about today. Um, so these topics will be postponed to the next episode, I guess. We usually have a fun topic to talk about and that somehow also was discussed away. Hopefully hopefully this was a fun topic to listen to. Yeah, <laughs> and I think we, we had a very uh, well-rounded mix of fun and non-fun topics today. So uh, so let's see. Um, as always, if you have feedback, if you like or didn't like anything, um, if there is something factually wrong in what we were talking about, um, feel free to contact us at, at Contravariance on Twitter. Um, yeah, 
thanks for listening thanks for listening and by the way as a as a short thing for the next episode what are we going to talk about maybe uh well we we might talk about migrations large refactorings of code bases which happens once you start once you work on an app for a longer time and the app starts to grow at some point you will need to do migrations and we will uh, do we want to talk about the like to mention the fun topic or the off topic or just keep that let's keep that a secret okay yeah let's keep that a but, secret but uh, yeah some large refactorings across an entire code base is something uh, we want to talk about yeah because we we've, we've just done that here at our employer and there's probably there's a lot of things and we are doing it all the time so they, we thought this would be nice to discuss it All right. Okay. See you next time. See you next time. Bye.